Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. Well, seasons change, things come and go, but sometimes we go through a pain so terrible that it clings to us like sticky black tar on a hot shingle in the searing July sun. In the face of that pain, we really have two options. We can give up, let it send us spiraling out of control, or stand up again and again as it knocks us down day after day and try and push forward to get on living our life. In doing so, we lose a little more of our hope, a little more of our humanity, and every time we peel ourselves up off the ground, we know it. We accept it. But that doesn't mean we don't feel the sting of that pain every single day and wish to Almighty God that we could have done something different. Something to change that moment and avoid a lifetime of sorrow. Be nice if we could do that, if we could impact our outcomes like that and avoid all of that pain and sorrow, but life, well, it doesn't work like that now, does it? Roger Pitsy was a stone-faced man, I'd say middle 50s, with a face as cold as the frozen shores of Lake Superior, lined with creases so sharp they could have been carved from that same cold stone by a slow-moving glacier many centuries ago. A permanent farmer's tan left his face, neck, and arms the color of a deeply tanned leather a rusty bronze in stark contrast to the blazing whiteness of the snow-covered land. Roger, he didn't talk much, but when he did, he commanded attention. A deep, rumbling voice that was at once soothing, cold, and terrifying. You know, thinking on it, it, it was a voice that felt for all the world like it was straining to be heard, through a sea of pain that threatened to silence it forever. There were no wasted words, and like a village elder of centuries past, when Roger spoke, well, damn it, most people listened. Most of the time, he had nothing but sound advice or words of kind encouragement to offer, a determination that whoever he spoke to understood exactly what it was he was telling them. Somehow, even through that cold, stony visage, he left you with a message of hope that found a way to sink to the very core of a person. It was so strange because he was both terrifying 
and so full of hope and comfort at the same time. But it sank to the core of you because, in large part at least, it was accompanied by the steel gray eyes that seemed to burn through your stupidity with a cold, searing force of will that, you know, it, it told you he truly believed you could do right and find the good in any situation. And if you didn't, those eyes, they put the fear of God into you that he would not let you rest until you found your way to the path of good. Those eyes were cold as ice, yet just behind the surface, a pain leaped and arced, burning white hot pain that would, it would never let you forget that he had faced the devil and lived a lifetime of pain as a result. He commanded respect without saying a word and not surprisingly, he received it from everyone he met. Looking at his mid-fifties in the rearview mirror, alone, distant yet intertwined with that place, he had lived a life in which he fought, earned, and deserved every ounce of that respect that he was given. But life wasn't always this way for Roger. You see, he was once just a happy-go-lucky kid that loved to spend time outdoors, and while he didn't go out of his way to find trouble, trouble seemed to find Roger easy enough. And Roger, well, he never shied away from it. He always welcomed the challenge. Unfortunately, so did his younger brother, Jimmy. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little. We'll back up just a second. Now, that cold December afternoon, I drove up the narrow, snow-covered road to Roger's place. I, I was a ball of nerves as I tried to force myself to keep up the courage to actually go meet this living legend. This man that had a reputation around town in this area as being, well, as being hard and cold. But also extremely uplifting. When I talked to him on the phone, our conversation had been brief, as you would expect any conversation with Roger to be. You know the kind of guy he is, and if, if you've met a man that, that's like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I let him know that Ben had given me his name just before the storm hit because he thought he might be able to help me out with a, uh, a project I was working on. You see, foolishly, I decided to try to sidestep the real reason I wanted to talk with him. You know, as if by hiding my desire to uncover more about Mystery Minnesota, he'd somehow open up to me more than if I told him the truth. God, I was a fool. Well, as you can guess, Roger saw through that attempt. I'll never forget the tone of his icy voice telling me to stop wasting his time and just ask him the damn question already. It was strange, like he had somehow possessed me and I spilled the beans. The words tumbling out as I watched from outside my body in horror at how incredibly stupid and silly this whole idea of Mystery Minnesota sounded. I told him about the note I found in my grandpa's coat after his passing. Told him about my search for information about what or where Mystery Minnesota was. We talked about Ben and Sven and the old story of uh, old Zeke. We talked about Ben's note that arrived with a box of some kind of animal fur, all of it. I couldn't stop myself. Every single bit of my story poured out of me. You know, it's funny, uh, 
I felt kind of like in the film Ant-Man from Marvel. Felt like his storytelling sidekick, uh, who was it? Uh, Louise? Louis? Anyways. It all just spilled out in a flood of information as if I'd just been dosed with some kind of truth serum. It's crazy. But anyways, when I finally stopped talking, there was a full minute of silence on the phone and finally he sighed and told me to come on up. He was busy. You know, a man like Roger, they always had work to do, much like Ben's dad. Never time to stop and talk, always chores to be done. But if I was willing to work while I was there, he told me he'd answer whatever questions I had. So it should come as no surprise that when I pulled up at his place, Roger was out clearing the last of the snow around his barn, and as I walked up to him, he barely stopped to say hi before setting down his shovel, grabbing a splitting maul and handing it to me, and gesturing for me to follow him. We spent the first half hour working in silence. I split wood as Roger stacked it against the side of the barn, and when I finally worked up the courage to just clear my throat, he interrupted me with those piercing eyes and six short words that I'll never forget. I knew that damn thing would be back. Loss and heartache are an unfortunate part of life. We all go through losing loved ones and grieving the loss of a family that have been there for us for our whole lives. That first heartache of being dumped by the one when you're in high school or college and feeling like you'll never love again and even the pain of losing our family pets due to old age. We know it's coming, it just never makes it easier. It's something that every single one of us goes through. We all feel loss and heartache. Anyone that tells you otherwise is a lying bastard never to be trusted. I'm sorry, didn't mean to get so worked up there, but it's the truth. You see, truth is, we can never feel that loss, that soul-scarring heartbreak, unless we first experience the love, the joy, and the happiest of happy days first. I knew that damn thing would be back. I stared at him blankly. Look, I don't know exactly what I expected to come out of his mouth, and I had no idea what his story would be. But it certainly wasn't this. Breaking that long, uncomfortable silence, all I could manage to sputter out was an obnoxious, what now? Yeah, not my most eloquent moment, but look, I was at a total loss and I had no idea what Roger was talking about. We'd been splitting wood for so long, out in the cold, he hadn't said a word and all of a sudden, that was it? So yeah, I was a little confused. But in that moment, he just stared at me, standing there like a fool with a splitting mall resting on a log and a look of what I can only imagine was complete bewilderment on my face, taking the measure of me as he decided where to begin. Then, slowly looking back towards the barn, he seemed to be sniffing the air, breathing deep but slowly, those icy eyes scanning everything. I got the feeling those eyes never missed a detail, and when he turned those eyes back to me, I felt like my very soul was exposed. He reached over and grabbed the splitting maul from my hands and told me it was time to go. His voice was quiet and calm, forceful. 
The fact it was a direct command was unmistakable. This was not up for debate. My time was over and it was time to go. Stunned, I opened my mouth to object. I wanted to lay into him about how rude it was that he agreed to meet me, have me drive all the way up here to, to do what? Chop some wood for a half hour and tell me nothing other than that he knew someone would be back before rudely telling me to leave? But those eyes and that look he gave me cut me off. I never got a word out of my mouth before the commanding presence of Roger Pitsy shut me up and all with just a look. With a cold and quiet determination, he told me one last time. Time to go. So I did the only thing I could. I turned and walked back to my car. Before I left, I shouted a half-hearted thanks for your time and maybe I can come again, but he was already inside. Driving home, I stopped at the library and did some digging. Something had happened out there, and I couldn't believe he'd agree to tell me his story. Invite me out there to split wood for half an hour, tell me he knew it would be back, and tell me to leave. I mean, what kind of cryptic BS was that? <sighs> this is where I made my first mistake. I, I should have looked him up at the library first. See, there wasn't much to find about Roger. He lived a pretty quiet life here in the Northland, but what I did find made me feel terrible about visiting him that day. I felt sick. The headline read, Jimmy Pitsy killed in bizarre wild animal attack. Scanning through the article, there weren't any details other than that Roger and Jimmy had been out hunting, and when they were nearly back home, something attacked Jimmy injuring him so badly, he died before the ambulance could arrive. Roger was by his side as the life slipped away from him. In the article, there was a single photo attached. Two smiling boys, the older labeled as Roger, the younger being Jimmy. In the photo, they were leaning on each other, Roger's arm around Jimmy's shoulder, and looked for all the world like the best friends you've ever seen. Made me think of my own brother. He's just a bit younger than me, but growing up, we were always together. We'd explore, make adventures for ourselves, and mostly just find ways to get ourselves in trouble. Like I mentioned before, he's my adventure partner. He always tried to challenge me, he still does, really as if he had to prove his worth. Truth be told, I should have been the one trying to prove mine, to set a better example for him. I have no doubt he was always the best between the two of us, but he always felt, well, feels, like he has to play second fiddle to me, but man, we had fun. Those were the good old days, <laughs> some of the happiest times of my life, adventuring with my brother. As I looked at that picture, I couldn't help but wonder if it was the same back then for Roger and Jimmy. Sure looked like it in that photo, at least. But I have to tell you, it was odd seeing that face. A younger, softer, more innocent version of the man I had just met. Looking so happy, so carefree, and 
so completely opposite of the stone-faced man with those piercing eyes that I had just spent a half hour out in the cold and snow splitting firewood with. It wasn't until I had finished the short news clipping that I saw the date, and my heart sank. I visited his farm, pestered him about his story, even though he never told me anything about it. But I did that on the day his brother died in his arms all those years ago. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures in Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice. Really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mysteryminnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us, because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota. <laughs>